worldwide breaking news and at the risk of stating the obvious right now we are facing global recession worldwide depression and economical downturn what we say i'm willing to work for honest days i'll be a search it get harder and harder every day so life in that incredible Live from the front line, we see people are get vexed and people are get mad and people them are search and can't find a job. So things are get tech and people are get robbed. Please I get shoot up, people are get stabbing at the crunch. Down in the credit crunch, poor people can't find lunch right now in the crunch. We're living in the crunch, for a little money we are on time to search in the crunch. In a deep credit crunch, deeper and deeper in debt every month in a deep crunch. This is Tian Buku One. And I'm Yula. And we are the Black Russian Podcast. This is episode 21. We are legal. Our podcast can now officially drink. What are we drinking? I don't know, I don't know, podcast, drink, the drink, listeners, mm. saliva. But uh, <laughs> yes, we started off, this is the finance episode and beyond. That was the song Credit Crunch by YT. T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T-T. And uh, I guess we should start off by saying, like we say every time, no relationship style, whether it's monogamous, non-monogamous, polyamorous, blah, 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 is more or less divine than any other. They're just templates. What defines the divine is the quality of work put in between the two people and the work that we put in on ourselves. Yeah, so that's that. Now, recap, we went through episode 20, which was instant gratification catastrophe. Yeah, it had good feedback. Yeah, People liked it. Yeah, it seemed like a long time ago. Well, because we've been procrastinating. (laughs) Procrastinating. Well, half of it is on you guys and half of it is on us. Yeah, half of it is on Art Basel. So there's three halves. We're in Miami, had a good time down in Art Basel, painting and being foolish and fun. Um, But yeah, this is an important episode you was wanting to do for a while. So we wanted to make sure that we got some feedback before we did it. And we had to wait a little while to get that feedback. So we finally got it. Thank you guys who contributed. Yeah, well, most of the feedback is that, holy shit, you put together a long questionnaire that looks like a (laughs) school test and I'm not going to do it. Yes, you want to speak upon why you chose to have the the podcast, the questionnaire, the way it was, as detailed as you did? I guess uh, we need to start with why I wanted to have the financial episode. I started pondering... uh, I think through different, obviously, people that we talk to and situations that come up, uh, I started wondering if there is a direct relationship between how we treat finances in our relationships or how financial arrangements work and the overall status of the relationship, mostly marriages. Mm-hmm. And in my prior life, I well, I have a degree in economics. Econometrics was my favorite subject during those years. And in econometrics, you come up with a hypothesis and then you uh, gather information on as many variables as you can that you think go into that hypothesis. And voila, you run some numbers and then you look through and see if you know something positively affects the 
outcome or negatively. So that's what I tried doing. And apparently that turned into a real test of patience. Mm -hmm. Challenge back to your college years and those, those questions and hypotheses were much more thorough than <laughs> adults these days. We don't usually spend that much time doing anything. Yeah, I mean, it was 15 questions. Come on. They weren't <laughs> even that bad. Uh, like, well. describe your style of, you know, your financial style, choose A, B, or C. It was multiple choice mostly. Uh, Come uh, yeah. on. You well, didn't even read the I questions. Know, I yeah. Know. I read mm. some. But just it goes to show you instant gratification, catastrophe. Exactly. But cool. So we'll go into that. We'll get into our quotes real quick. We're just going to say them. You guys can marinate on them. We won't go into elaborating why we chose them and blah, blah, blah. So mine are... You cannot change your destination overnight, but you can change your direction overnight. Funny, I saw it as I was looking for my clothes. Uh, you was over my shoulder. I was not. <laughs> my second one was, the struggle you're in today is developing the strength you need for tomorrow. Unless you give up. <laughs> yeah, you didn't struggle enough. Happiness cannot be traveled to, owned, earned, worn or consumed happiness is a spiritual experience of living every minute with love grace and gratitude I like that I really do Cha. so yeah what are yours mine is one and the only one without explaining why it's going to be very clear money is like love it kills slowly and painfully the one who withholds it and enlivens the other who turns it on his fellow man that's in essence my relationship with money. All right. Do you want to go into your relationship with money? Sure. Um, so I think uh, the whole financial episode comes from my relationship with money, and then our how that translated into our relationship. And I think that we both agree that it's been a huge part as to why our relationship has been successful for as long as it has been. Mm -hmm. Because without that, we wouldn't have even started the relationship. Like Teal and I have been friends for a long time. We were friends before uh, we were intimate. Uh, we were intimate before we were sexually intimate. Right, sexually intimate. Sorry. Um, and because we come from such different financial circumstances, it took, well, it took me no time to, you know, I, I just continued doing what I did, but it took you a while to trust that I'm not going to use money against you or in some way to limit you or try to manipulate you right yeah i mean <clears throat> we were raised me and my mom my mom raised me with not a lot of money but she managed to find ways to make sure that we felt like we had more than what we needed and she was very independent did not like borrowing or leaning on anybody for any of that stuff and she really ingrained that to me probably subconsciously just like you don't want somebody in your shit micromanaging you and if one way they do that if they lend you money then it's a form of control because they pretty much have a, a executive say in your life until you pay them back there's a lot of guilt in that so I was raised that way I never like to <clears throat> you know borrow any money or take anybody's financial support or help um, because I was always concerned it'd be thrown back at me right 
and I grew up with more money than I ever needed and I always uh, felt that money was just another type of energy and it's something to be shared and it's basically the more you give them like the well never never dries up and whether I was right or wrong I guess I'll be proven you know right or wrong at the end but uh, that's kind of always been my approach and I've always wanted to help people and if that meant helping uh, sharing my finances then so be it so that's what I did yeah. and that's what I did that's what Tian and I did we started you know the I guess second phase of our relationship and it was not us coming together you know with the sexual relationship as much as me starting to help him financially build to build his business the way he wanted to build it because it made sense and I, I think because of my approach that I um, just did it I did what made sense to me and I honestly didn't expect anything in return other than to see him succeed it was easier for him to uh, accept that and not be concerned that what I was doing came with some sort of you know ties attached to it yeah and it was very rare, and it was it was very good. And little by little, more and more, she showed me that that was true. And so we got more and more involved, and she invested more and more. And then I brought her more and more into the everyday dealings and realized that she had an expertise um, and an angle and a resource beyond monetary that would be extremely beneficial for me to learn from and how to structure my business and how things work. So it was very important and beneficial for me to share with her how things worked and um, open it up so she could see all the type of wacky things in the world of tour management, management, booking, merchandising, and so on and so forth. Um, and that really became a big part of our romantic companionship. You know, that was one of the really cool areas we grew into together, explored together, um, and really both enjoyed playing our role in that space of structuring it, managing it, um, organizing it and you know doing it, it on being a scale. A business yeah right but never our personal finance personal our personal finance has always been mine yeah and you know it works the way it works and i know that it, it's it plays a huge role in our relationship and the longevity um and in it you know it's as controversial as other parts of our relationship because people look at me and go, you know, uh, wow, like you have, you carry all of that. What does he do? Right. Or, you know, why, why are you with him? Why? Like it's assumed that I could be with somebody who contributes at least as much as I bring. And, you know, supposedly alleviates that stress in my life. Right. Uh, and it's also assumed that, if you found somebody who made more money, they would be overall better for for you and for life. And that's the assumption that we deal with in the Western civilization where material is so much more valued among other things. But we'll get into that later. Um, well, I mean, all of it comes, you know, comes to play and all of it, you know, because we have to, I have to, you know, I think about it very consciously. I have to be very clear as to why I'm doing this. Right. Uh, because it is a lot of weight, and I do do it on my own. 
uh, you know, so I have to be on, I have to understand because there are some times when it gets super, it gets rough and, you know, I work it out. Uh, but as I think about those things and as I'm very clear as to why I do what I do and how I choose to do it, I look at other people's relationships and then I see how money works. And then the natural question is, well, how much, how much does that affect what you guys have and what would happen if your financial relationship was different? Right. And different in a, a dramatic downturn. And that's what we, we, we've been discovering as we've been talking about this and just watching our relationship and watching some of our people closest to us um, is finance is one of those other frontiers like sexual intimacy and other things that people usually don't touch. They yeah. have certain ways they do it um, and they it can be one of those things that um, causes the most stress in relationships. I'm sure it's been attributed to a lot of divorce and a lot of relationships breaking up. Um, but it's one of those things that we don't ever address. We don't get educated on how to do finances and relationships and and these things so yeah it was very interesting you know so um i sent out my questionnaire to maybe 20 people i think i have five responses so it's definitely not a broad enough uh sample size to make any generalizations but you know that's what we have that's what we're going to discuss and out of those all there was one that said that they discussed finances prior to marriage. Right. And that was like in a Catholic setting. Right. <laughs> which was very interesting because apparently in a, you know, not setting, you you do have to discuss finance. You don't discuss anything else. You go through like a financial, financial crash course. Oh, how wow. do you handle finances in marriage? Uh, and then... You know, otherwise, no, the answer is no. No, we didn't discuss anything. We just went into it. And, you know, he brought his style. I brought my style. And typically it's one person who's in charge. Right. Um, and, you know, so the other person doesn't want to pay attention to it at all. And then that's how it goes. And then, you know, if... Um, there's financial, uh, if there is any disagreement, then it can be rough. Right. Yeah. And, and there's so much emotion, traumas, ego, pride, shame, emasculation, all these different things that are wrapped into money because we all have different um, values with money, whether it's it's the most powerful currency or it doesn't matter at all or... You know, we've never had it and people just always hang it over our heads or the people with the most money were the coolest or the smartest or the. So there's a lot of um, other things that are tied into the discussion of finance that people don't really um, consciously identify. Yeah, no, I really I feel like, you know, after reading this, you know, we went into our relationship and I basically was in charge and I've stayed in charge and I know I've, I've been in charge and you know, what I say goes, luckily we don't have, I don't think we've ever had a financial disagreement. No. We have decent financial harmony. So what I'd say is, why don't you explain to them what your idea of financial harmony is? Like when, when a couple does it together and it flows good, what does that look like? Like 
you know, explain like, for example, you're going into how we do it. Well, I always feel like money is just a tool, you know, and that tool can make someone feel good or it can make someone feel bad. And I don't ever uh, use consciously use that tool to make you feel bad. Right. I use it to, I love using money to make someone feel happy. And if I can find a way to, you know, I know there's the, the money doesn't buy happiness, but sometimes, uh, you know, a little thing goes a long way. And I love finding a way uh, to do, some, to make something happen, to find money to make something happen that otherwise wouldn't happen. Right. Yeah. And I think with us, um, luckily I didn't have, I didn't, as you guys know, I didn't grow up in a super macho environment. So having a woman who's leading the way in finances where a lot of men may feel a little sensitive to it, to where they may want to push, pull or, you know, whatever it is. I didn't have that. I trusted her. I still trust her with being the core financier maker and keeper or arranger um, of this. And it wasn't a situation where we had to argue about it. We had to fight for it. She naturally took that role and I naturally embraced and supported her in that role. Um, and so we have a harmony in a sense that we do that. So what, the money that I make, whether it's more from management and booking or less while transitions or whatever, you know, it just went in the pot and it was dealt with however it was dealt with. And we always managed to um, collectively do what we wanted to do. And when things got tight, I would be notified and we'd figure out the best way to do it. Um, and we really worked well with that. I'm very fortunate because we didn't thoroughly think it through in the beginning. We kind of just naturally synced up. But um, Yeah, I think that we, you know, it, it was more like we didn't sit down to talk about money, but we knew what the style of sharing of the money was. Right. Like you, you've gotten comfortable with the fact that I won't use it against you. Right. And that, you know, if my goal is to help you do what you uh, feel you want to do, that, that also spreads to the money part. Right. Yeah. And we have, yeah, it's been a good balance. It's been a good balance. Um, we know we've been to, through times where we had more money and we've been through times we had less money. We've been to times, you know, it's been up and down all the same, but um, it's luckily it's never been the core part of our, our stress in the sense that when it's stressful, it's never turned in on us, which is good. I think a lot of relationships can get in trouble when, when they're financially stressed and they take it out on each other. Yeah. So, you know, part of my, like the very last question in my questionnaire is, uh, what would happen if your financial situation changed dramatically for the and worse for the worse right uh and not just oh you know uh the you know one of you lost their their job but luckily we've been so good we have savings so it didn't you know affect us much uh i'm saying what if something really dramatic happened and you guys had no money like so you you have no savings all of a sudden and what happens there right and you know uh i i feel like and like i said the sample size is not there uh for me to draw any like any conclusions but i feel like uh 
it depends on what the starting point was right. for the couple. If the couple started out comfortable and have always been financially comfortable through the length of the relationship, and then, you know, no real work was done in terms of, you know, figuring out, hey, what? let's talk about it. What would happen? Right. Uh, then if there is something really significant to where you have to move out of your house and, you know, sell the house and rent something or, you know, kids can no longer go to private schools or your cars, you know, like the, the real, real stuff. It would probably be pretty tough to continue that particular marriage. Right, yeah. Because the foundation is financial comfort. Right. It's a big part of their... And then if if the couple comes from the tougher times and then they together build it up to where they become comfortable and they, you know, they go for a long period of time being comfortable and then something happens, then I feel like it would be easier to deal with the hardship because it's a familiar territory. Right. Yeah, it's part of it. And, you know, we've, we've been talked about this sometimes because there were situations where um, the finances were really stressful. And since Eula takes the grunt of that, you know, she's really feeling it. And then if she's feeling it, it's showing in and I'm feeling it. And so I've um, asked the question, like, you know, if it's too bad, we can downsize. We can get rid of half the shit we, get, we have. I mean, we can do that. And I, I, get, I could say that with all confidence because I've come from so less that, right. you know, but we never, luckily, we never had to. But it was definitely a situation where, you know, we would give up some financial luxuries to save our happiness. Yep. Because none of it's worth destroying us or stressing out our family yep. or losing our joy. Um, and I think, you know, a lot of people that I've come across and stuff, especially over my, you know, money means so much and it's so valued as the, the best currency, the most important. And the status, your social status is tied to your money. Yeah. Um, and the power in the relationship has always been tied to who, who's the breadwinner. Um, and that in itself can create all types of um, demeaning and dismissive energy in the relationship. Yeah, no, it's pretty interesting how, you know, I grew up with money and I grew up around people that uh, have a lot of money. Uh, and that does nothing like I it's not attractive to me. I feel like it's a tool, you know, I don't think I own an expensive purse or, you know, that wasn't given to me by my sister. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't. But it also like I don't look up forward to it as right. something of such high value that I need to go and pursue that. Right. You know, I pursue money so like that, that we can do what we want to do. Right. And that our kids have uh, possibilities that would help them be who they want to be. And, you know, if we have more than that, then we'll spread it around and do something cool with other people. Yeah. But it's not a... Uh, I don't. I don't need to have it to buy a better car or right. you know anything like that. But that's totally not true for a lot of people. Yeah. No. And then, for me, it was you know me. Somebody who had a lot of money was like a magician. 
like that. It just seemed like a fairy tale, like so magic. So let's talk. Let's talk about what happened when you entered into my world and you gradually started seeing that. Oh, that's just. Well, that's a kabuki theater. Yeah, I mean, it took a long time. I mean, you, when you grow up, um, you know, lower lower middle class or whatever, somewhere in between the lower and lower middle class, um, where money is everything. I mean, we really money predicated what we could do, what camps I could go to, uh, you know, all these things. So money was very, very much there to where, you know, you when you dreamed and you wished, you wished about having more money. When you're around your friends who had big houses and things, you were like, oh my God, it was like a fairy tale. Um, and it wasn't until way later in my life where I was able to, you know, see through the eyes of Eula and some other people that I knew that would help me see that there's people with money are not super happy. You no. know, there's a lot of different things that they're lacking. Um, it does. It just gives you more tools and depending on what you are, it'll just make you more of that. But and I would hear these things because I was, you know, I started being an entrepreneur at 19. So I'm reading all these books like Think and Grow Rich and all these things. And you hear quotes like, you know, you know, once you make it, you think it's, it's not what it cracked, you know, what it's cracked up to be. I wish, you know, Jim Carrey even said at one point, like, I wish everybody who wanted to be rich would be filthy rich. So they could realize how unfulfilling it is. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easy to say when you have it. But it was never like, it was to me, it was still like, no, they have some special chromosome or some some magic dust that they can do this. Um, and then it took a long time to learn that it was it was either inherited or something they really focused on. And if you focused on something long enough, you can develop a skill to get better at it. But sometimes if that's all they focused on, there's a whole other realm of things that they didn't focus on, which made yeah. them deficient there. Um, but, there, you know, even to this day, like, I'm much more comfortable um, with not chasing the riches where, I mean, most of my life to about five years ago, I was still like, you just grind hard and you sacrifice everything for that. Like, nothing matters. Hustle 24, you know, and it's like, that took me a while to snap out of it because for my life, like, that was like, you don't make it until you're there. And then, then you, then when you, you're finally there with your mansion, you, know, you look around like, oh, okay, now you're good. You can start living. You know, it's funny. I think my dad is still like like that he still thinks you know and my dad is a serial entrepreneur <laughs> and you know he's the eternal optimist and he's gone through rough times in the last few years and it was it was you know would have, you would have thought that that last round right. would make him go like you know what money is not right like i don't but i think it's almost like sport to him i think it's a sport yeah it's yeah it's like a sport yeah. where he really he just really thinks that that's around the corner yeah. uh, but it's like dad what do you think is around the corner like <laughs> right what do you think will happen so you'll pay off my debts and you'll take us to hawaii i mean okay right then life that's still awesome goes on. But, yeah i know. mean it's a trip because it's it's definitely you know it's that feeling of being around wealth will always be a part of me it's still it's always magical to me it's just that that voice is lower right but i when i'm around people with like wealth i'm like wow like i still my inner child is still like wow that's crazy like they can just not ever think about money and just do whatever they want to do, and then I trip out because now in my adult life I've been around a lot more people with money, and I find that there's like people with money who like have no idea what to do. Like they've never, 
had ideas. So they ended up with way more tools than ideas. Right. And I'm always had way more ideas than money. I'm like, man, money, you got money. We got a plethora of ideas and resources, you know. Um, and it's just fascinating how there could be somebody in a mansion with just hella money coming in and they're bored and they're depressed, depressed yeah. and they're empty on the inside and they just are chasing ghosts and, you know, but it's, it's crazy. And, you know, in this society, especially when you start getting into family and kids and things like that, um, it, you know, a lot goes into play with that unless you're already, you know, rich or in, in, that, in that career trajectory where you're going to make more than your cost of living is it's very different because most of the people in the Bay that are not in the tech and in the financial world, they're, you know, scraping together two and a half, three jobs to make enough to even live here and pay with, pay with the kids and stuff like that. So, so what does that do to a marriage? Yeah. I mean, it's just, well, first of all, it takes, you know, a relation, a good relationship has a really good flow of, of time, space, and energy invested into the relationship. So if, to, if both parents are working full time, it's taking away the time. Yep. And then they're not around each other much, so it's taking away the space. And then by the time they get home after working so hard, they don't have a lot of energy to invest in the relationship. So it depletes the time, space, and energy that goes into it, which then is, makes it much easier to slip into routine. Yeah, so, you know, I was, uh, what, in, in the first half of this year, I was offered a job that technically, was it this year, last year? It was this year. Uh, probably this year. I think it was this year. It's a long year, long, short year. <laughs> yeah, I was offered a job that uh, would have changed our financial situation uh, dramatically and probably uh, would have made it to where uh, we probably wouldn't have to worry about paying for kids' college and, you know, doing whatever it is that we need to still do before we can afford to retire. Um, and I was really excited because I really wanted that job and I got the offer and I think Tion saw like it was really weird. I, the offer came in and I read it and my mood went from being super excited about it to right. just flat. <laughs> and he's like, what does it say? I'm like, well, what I expected. And he's like, so how come your mood changed? Right. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know. I can't explain it. I can't tell you. And it took me two weeks to figure out what it is that I wanted to do with it and why I just felt that differently. And then I didn't take the offer. And, you know, I had to, like, the the uh, CEO that offered me the job uh, was really surprised that I said no. And... Uh, it took me a while, even after that, you know, it took me two weeks to say no, to decide that, no, I didn't want to take it. And then even after that, it took me a while to really figure out why I didn't take it. Right. And it really came down to the quality of life and not just mine, but of what it would do to our relationship. I would have had to uh, spend more time working I would have I would have been commuting a lot more and it would have been a lot more stressful. Yeah. And it would have I could totally see how it would have changed the dynamic of our relationship. We talked about it. We thought, 
you know, we kind of projected it and you were like, well, we can buckle down and do it for five years because that's all that I think would have taken right. uh, to get the, uh, the payout. But I could just see that, you know, the right. kids are growing and you would have had to change what you do, right. which would have changed your mood, which you know would have changed yeah. our dynamic yeah we'd have basically to change who we were which then in itself may change right. the whole dynamics of everything um, i mean by at the end of those five years who knows maybe right. we would not have been around right we might have we probably wouldn't have been had this podcast yeah right we wouldn't <laughs> have had the podcast. we'd be way late we like one every four months um, uh, but it was and now i look back and you know i I see how that company works. I interact with them on a daily basis. And I'm like, holy shit, that was my best decision of the year. Right. I really, I mean, and I know for a fact, the more I work with them, the more I see that the money is actually there. It wasn't a hoax. Right. I would have had the money, but what I, had, what I would have had to deal with and how much of my time and energy and... Uh, emotional energy would have taken right i i have zero regrets right it would have taken a lot of the time space and energy which are core nutrients away from the relationship so think about some people you know out there podcast land as well as people we know who subconsciously think that the best thing you can do for your family is is to make as much money as you can and take yeah. whatever opportunity comes your way and if you have to work 90 hours a week it's the best for your family yeah. and the rest will just work itself out. Yeah. Um, and then you come home cranky because you're the boss and you've been working so hard. Right. And, you know, so we see this play out in a few relationships around us. Um, but I've seen a lot more. Like that, that's kind of what it is. You get a good job offer. You take it. Yep. It doesn't even, you don't even factor in um, what sacrifices you have to make. I mean, you don't even think that it would change the nature of your relationship. Right. I'm so not into changing anything. Uh, in our relationship, unless it's organic, right? That uh, I mean, I I guess it's because I value this what we have more than the number of you know zeros that we have in our bank account, right? And yeah. the financial peace of mind. I I kind you know, and I'm an optimist. I take after my dad, and I trust that. You know, if I do, if if I put the work in and I put my effort in and I honestly enjoy what I do, right? Financial side's gonna be taken care of. I mean, I'm not lazy. I'm relatively smart. I I know my stuff. I'll make enough money for us to do what we need to do. Yeah, and it's just you know, um, identifying before it's too late. It's good to have a balanced diet of currencies. So there's several currencies that we all thrive off of that were needed to have a good, healthy, rounded life, love, relationship, and everything. And it's financial. It's a currency that pays for food and pays right. for things. But then there's spiritual currency. There's emotional currency. And there's joy currency. Um, and all of these need to be factored into it. Shouldn't be money trumps everything, and the rest is like, you know, because you see people with hella money. And no joy and no spiritual grounded, and they're spending their money trying to buy it. 
Yeah, but we're also not hippies. We're not right. You so know? we don't want to be completely the other way, <laughs> right, where we right. have where we completely abandon money in, in Babylon. Like you kind of need money. It's a, it's a it's the language of Babylon, um, and so it's this balance. Like we want to be able to have it all. We want to be able to travel. We want to be able to invest in people we believe in. We want to be able to do things based upon what we want to do, not what we can afford to do. So we can really move around freely as spiritual, um, connected beings and trying to help other people you know do what they do and not be limited by the amount of time we can yeah um and it's a it's important to the relationship you know um it's crazy that you know there's there's a couple relationships that we know specifically where you know one person's uh career trajectory took off like when they first got together they were kind of equals filling it out having a good time just growing up and trying to figure out the financial game getting into their careers and stuff and then one just kind of skyrocketed and which means it completely changed that person's time space energy which completely then changes who that person is which then overall will change the who the, the sum of the relationship because now it's if this person changes, this plus this is different than what it was before. Right, but then, you know, we do that under the premise of, you know, what I do, I makes money for us, mm-hmm. which must be good for our family. You know, we now can send kids to better schools, we can, you know, do more things, we can go on more trips, we can, you know, send them to camps, etc. Uh, and it's just assumed that that is there there are no other questions asked right and that is the best thing for families to do is to take the opportunities to make the most money when those opportunities come up or you create it you know you build it especially if it's your own company right and that's you know and that that is a big part it's a huge thing to factor in like you want to be able to financially take care of and insulate your kids and family and give them the best financial opportunities in schools, but that alone is not enough. Because we see people who have lots of money whose kids go to the finest schools and private schools, and we see how they turn out if there's no other balance. People don't, kids don't want to be pacified with money and be neglected from love and affection. We see what happens to these people. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, that alone is not good. So when people, but we, but we just have this assumption because it's just part of, it's a drumbeat of our, of our society is that money and material is the most important thing. Um, and we'll sacrifice family, relationships, our love, sexual intimacy, honesty, core path for it. Yeah. And we watch relationships suffer for that. Um, you know, and so, so this is why we want to talk about this and just, you know, for us to share our openness about what we do and how we do, and so you guys can ponder yours as well. Um, and also, we'll just talk about the different dynamics. Like, you know, I'm in a unique situation where, you know, I'm the stay-at-home kind of, you know, stay-at-home dad, kid guy who has, you know, where Eula's the financial torchbearer. She's the woman of the house as far as the finances go like that. And um, it's different. It's much more common now. But it's a very, it's still a, a fairly unique situation, and there's certain things that we've learned that come through that, and, and things to look out for, and pitfalls. Yeah, and, no, you know. and then you know, 
So stay at home dad would mean you do the laundry, you do, you clean the house. Right. I come home, I don't have to do any of that. That's not how this works. No. And if I tried holding you to that, then you'd be unhappy. So it's the whole, you know, you you do what works for you, for for the for the common good. Right. It's for the not. It's yeah. not the the whole. You know, you've heard me enough. You know, I do not like following any rules. So the rules of any marriage are not anything that I'm going to stick with. So whether it's a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, like it doesn't automatically mean that now, you know, if I make more money and I have a job that I actually have to go to, you are to do everything at home. And so that when I come home, you, that you the know... the dinner's cooked the longest Right, right, time. the dinner's <laughs> cooked, the, the, the house is clean... I mean, if that's what made you happy, of course. Right. But if that's not what makes you happy, I'm not going to make you do it because I don't want to come home to an un- unhappy dude. And I'm not the one to sit there and go, you know, well, this is unfair. Right. You know, if I wanted fair in that way, I would have gone and married somebody who, you know, would provide so much financially for me that I never had to be concerned with it. Right. But then you'd be the stay-at-home mom and then... I'd probably still work, but then, you know, I'd pay for a housekeeper and blah, 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 right. blah, blah, you know, and like I would have done a lot right. of other things. Yeah. Uh, but that's not what I chose. So I guess, you know, what I say is that it's not like if, if in our situation, if I was to treat you as a stay at home dad, you would have felt disrespected and your value would have gone down. And as soon as your value goes down, two things happen. A, you're not you're not very attractive to me. Right. And all of a sudden you feel disrespected and now you're depressed. Right. And so you know, what do we have? Yeah, and overall, you know, like she's talking about write like you know, write your own vows, write your own script. Like your balance with your partner, spouse, wife, husband, whatever, is gonna be very unique to how you guys are. There are certain things that you'll take on that people think you shouldn't. There are certain things you won't take on that people think you should. But whatever works for you guys and you're clear about the balance and you guys are both willing to engage and listen and be willing to adjust if need be um, is the most important thing. Because in a relationship, the, the better we are at helping each other be exactly who we are, the better we are all, all are. So, um, you know, and back to the material things, you know, you know, men are usually supposedly embedded to be the financial bearers and protectors and keepers of the family. Um, and so coming out of that, you know, at times it could have been very emasculating and probably at times in my life, probably very emasculating too, when I was still thinking that, man, I need to, I need to carry my weight. I need to be out and, you know, just still in that hustle, hustle 24-7 mode. As if, you know, like we weren't going to be the relationship we were supposed to be if I didn't make at, at least as much, if not more, than, than she did. And there was times when I had, to, I had to balance that energy out and fight it down or feel less than. Um, and luckily in our situation, um, Eula didn't throw that in my face too much or make me feel like I was a kid. Every now and then, there's a trap that we can fall into, which we did a few times, but luckily not too much and didn't last too long where... You know, Eula would come home still in boss mode and would treat me like I'm a kid, like I'm the fourth kid. Um, 
and it's it's just, this is it's a very um, subtle thing that luckily we caught it, but you know some relationships where the woman's the the, the financial bearer and the guy is more of the you know either the creative you know or the one that doesn't have the financially um, cracking job or whatever the case may be can be looked at as like this is just another one of my emotional labor people. It's like a kid, and if it's not caught, eventually the woman will fall out of attraction with that man yeah. because that man is no longer the alpha that they married. They basically, you know, contributed to their perception of this person being like, you know, less than and just, you know, like a kid. And you're not attracted to your kids. Um, and nor do you value their opinion as if it's a peer. And all of a sudden you start executively overriding their opinion. You start just dis mm -hmm. discounting their discounting their thoughts and what's important to them. Yep. And we're seeing that in, in a relationship that's very close to And then to you're us. supposed to turn around and have sex with them. Right. Yeah. Well, that's not happening. And it's not going to happen. So then the sex, the desire goes away. Yep. And the sex goes away. Um, and the and that's where the woman's the head. And, the, and so we learn that the power, the financial power um, that a person wields is a very powerful tool that can really enhance the relationship or it can really demean um, and the difference is when women are running it women fall out of sexual attraction to a person a lot faster than a man does so mm -hmm. the woman if she falls out because she feels the man is just not sexy because he's like a child she can be out of that and not have sex and with this person because she's not attracted to him a man in power who has the finances is men are just sex, you know they like sex regardless so the fact that the woman is not as a financial peer or equal is normal for the man. And the well, man will still stay attracted to that yeah. women are not. And so it's so that's a big one. When the women's in, in the power role, if if they fall out of attraction because they, they start to deem their their creative man or stay at home or whatever variation you call it, um, they start to deem this person like uh, just like added labor, then the desire goes away, sexual attraction goes away, then the value of the man, yep. the esteem of the man goes down, creating this downward spiral that then reinforces her yep. lack of desire, which then makes him feel smaller. And that sometimes won't break or change until something dramatic happens, like affairs, he has an affair, or she has an affair, for them to really address how they both slowly but surely built this environment to where the attraction was gone due to the imbalance. Mm -hmm. Uh, value of currency because like we talked about there's multiple currencies finance spiritual cultural you know family uh happiness so maybe while she's out busting her ass building the dream you know he's the one that's keeping the culture keeping the meaning of life and the and the, the the spirit of their family alive and and enjoying and making sure people are having fun and people tend to look down upon that like that's just like some childish shit but reality um we start to lose our lives when we start losing our childish energy and our childlike qualities um but it's not looked upon as that and so if it's looked down upon it's very easy to discard that and um that's one of the things that we've luckily caught very early and eula's really helped um see on her side the values of the other currencies because she's you know, luckily was brought up with a more of a balance with the financial, you know, values. And I'm able to make sure that, you know, I'm really pulling 
and contributing my my weight and understanding how grateful I am that she does take on the strong lead and financial role. So I really get to sink in and do what I'm supposed to do for us, for our family, for our community, and make sure that when she comes home um, with the bread or the bacon, <laughs> we have a lot of really cool things to spread that around in that enrich our lives. Yeah, we don't. We're not bored. I don't think we've been bored in a long time. No. I don't think we've ever been bored. No, and and it's cool because you know with the the money it comes with this privilege of being able to find really cool ways to um, support and contribute in ways people never expected. Like, you know, yeah. you know, we'll have an artist that we're working with that's an amazing artist that we're fans of, and we find out they're still paying for studio time. So we put together a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and next thing you know, before they go home, we have a whole portable studio for them. Yeah. You know, things like that. Like someone's having a hard time somewhere, and we fly them in for for a week to hang out or you know I don't know how many people we've helped with cars <laughs> <laughs> we buy cars if you need a car come we'll help yeah we can't help it we're just a softie <laughs> we find ways we find ways um, but it never like it hasn't the well has not dried up no. we always it always works out you know our kids are clothed and schooled and you know um, it, it happens and yeah. it's I, I really believe in that. Yeah, and if we treat it like a, like what it is, which is a currency, right. we know that currency only works best when it's circulated. And if uh -huh. we if you cut off the currency, you create a blood clot, and it stifles the whole flow. Um, but how many of us in relationships talk about the the many currencies that are important for the balance of our family? Um, and this is an important topic, and so. The questionnaire kind of starts tapping into some of these things and I think a big part of the reason why you only got five out of 20 not only of the length but it's a very uncomfortable situation yeah. to, to disclose publicly you know people relationships don't really talk about their finances right and especially on how to resolve uh, issues when there's really two different opinions right you know no well we need to spend on this no, we need to save. Right. So do you want to go into any of your, your questionnaire or any of that stuff before we... No. Uh, I mean, I don't like, I don't think it makes sense to read off of them. I feel like... Do you want to read the questions at least to the podcast so people sure. can think about it? So the question, you know, I asked how long have you been married in a current relationship? Uh, what is your personal relationship with finances? So your individual one, you know, uh, and where did it come from? Because I think, you know, we all bring them into these relationships uh, with us. And, you know, where do we get them from our families? You know, I know I got mine from my family. Um, and Yon got his from his. So uh, what is your personal style? Well, and it's a multiple choice question. One, easy, money comes, money goes, who cares? Two, balanced, I make money so I could afford to do what I do when I do when I want to do it. I keep an eye on my income and expenses. Or tight, I need to save as much money as I possibly can for the rainy day, no frivolous expenses allowed. And then I ask, what is your partner's relationship with finances and where did that come from? So, 
you know, presumably, you know, let's say you get one is easy and one is tight. So then I go, okay, well, did you discuss finances as part of your process of getting married, living together? And most people said no. Uh, and then I said, if yes, whose style was adopted? And if no, why not? And, you know, usually uh, it's just, well, we just started doing whatever. And, you know, maybe uh, I think someone said that both came in as easy and then they talked about it and they decided on a balanced approach, which actually, which makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, if someone comes in with easy and their spouse comes in with tight and they never talked about it, I have no idea how that works out. Mm-hmm. That would be bad. Uh, describe how your finances work. You know, do you have a joint and individual accounts? Most people have both. So most people have a joint account and I think they contribute either everything into it or enough to cover the bills. And then keep some money in individual accounts. Uh, Who contributes to the joint account and in what way? Uh, How do you use your individual accounts if you do? Uh, Does your partner monitor and or care about your individual spending? Uh, Most people said no. Uh, One person said yes because their partner is just absolutely not good with money or you know so their perception is and then they monitor i question you know if you uh if your partner contributes enough to the joint account and then you actually monitor their individual spending what does that do right like i don't i mean i monitor our joint cash account because you always you never know how much money there is so right you can totally overdraw it easily, so you're pretty much only allowed to use credit cards. Yeah, because when I go to the strip club and I just, I have no idea, I'm just, yeah. I might press that make it rain button and be like, what's that? And all of a sudden there's 501 flying in the air on the stage. Yeah, but I don't, I, you know, I mean, now both of our kids have credit cards. Right. I mean, our Amex, you know how many people have our Amex? It's kind of like, Whoever has the code to our front door also has an Amex. <laughs> we just hand it to them. So if you become friends with us and we will give you that code to our house, you're probably going to end up with a car and an Amex card well, as well. What works really well is when, you know, like EJ has a, our Amex. So when he comes and stays with our kids, yeah. I don't even leave any money at home. I mean, I leave some food, but they totally go and buy food. Yeah. And they know, you know, I... I guess at the onset, I'm like, if you need to spend something extra, text me. I'll let right. you know if you can or not. But, you know, I've never had a problem with that. Yeah, no. And so, that, that yeah, works cool. well. Uh, the arguments. The arguments. Ooh. Do you have arguments, disagreements around finances? If yes, what are the most common ones? And, you know, the most obviously everyone has arguments and disagreements. And the most common ones are someone wants to spend money on something that the other one feels is stupid yeah. or frivolous. And yeah, then, that was part of one of the divorces of our friends yeah. that we know down south. Yeah. You know, she wanted to live a, a better life and spend more yeah. and shop more and do more things like that. And he was <coughs> much more into saving and, and investing. Or just more real about how much money he made. 
Right. <laughs> we can't do that. Yeah, yeah, so it's as bad, you know, when someone wants to just work and make money and not pay attention to the family. But on the other hand, you know, if the spouse that doesn't work all they want to do is spend money, that's not going to work either. Right. So somewhere in the middle is always a safe, safe balance. And then, you know, how do you uh, resolve financial arguments, disagreements? So most people either don't have them because one person is in charge and the other one either is not allowed to look or right. doesn't care. So that takes disagreements out. Um, or, uh, you know, they try and argue and the person that makes most money actually wins. Right. That's when, <laughs> that's you know. That's the executive say. That's the executive say. But I, I feel like, you know, I think that's how it works in our life as well. And in that case, it's just, you know, how nice are you about putting that foot down? Right. Like, do you put that foot down in a way that makes the other one... Like swings the your other proverbial person, dick around? Right. right. The other person feel bad? Or do you, you know, explain logically and, right. you know, find maybe a nice compromise? Right. It's like when I wanted to rent the Bentley for my rap video. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> Or for my documentary of how I made it with all these cars and houses. Yeah, and maybe you'll get a new bowling bag for Christmas. That, that's kind of like a Bentley. Yeah, yeah, it's close enough. It's my Bentley. My yeah. ball's Bentley. Yeah, there you go. Balls are important. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then, you know, who makes more money, you or your partner? And the next question is who has the last say over the finances? That's a setup because whoever makes more money right. has the last say always. Uh, are you happy with your financial arrangement in a partnership? You right. know, why? So it either works out perfectly where you're in charge and your spouse never questions and, you know, that creates harmony. That's great. Right. Or you guys really do do everything together. Yeah. Or you're on a forensic or, show. So we watch a lot of forensic shows and a yeah. lot of people kill each other over money issues. Yeah. Wife's shopping too much and she won't stop and the guy's not making enough money. The guy's making dumb investments or gambling debts and is like shit. And then remember I have no is money. my wife has a life insurance. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Yep. Um I think that also, you know, in the part where it's a woman that takes care of all the bill paying and stuff. Right. It's it go it kinda goes along with the whole emotional labor right. thing where Sometimes it would be nice if you actually did what I do during one month and right. learned what goes into paying the bills right. and balancing this thing so that you actually understand what I do every month. Right. Would I, I trust I just, you to I just do extra, that? No. I just extra appreciate it and make sure that she knows I really appreciate what she does. And that yeah, it's magic so what Tion does, if I have to stay up and do something that's related to our finances... He will just sit there with me and not go yeah, to sleep. Like it's a just happy like, puppy. Yeah. Like I'm, just, uh, I'm just here so I won't get fined. No, no, no it's you're actually support. happy. No, it's yeah, teamwork. It's teamwork. It's yeah. not, you know, not everybody has the executive skill or desire for a certain thing, yeah. but they can contribute. Yeah. You, you can know. look at yeah. me doing those things and yeah. that makes me feel I'm better. Fine. You know, if I'm up recording or doing something, you know, you know like just hang out. Hang yeah. out with me. I mean, it's energy, right? 
like that is expending energy. So at least someone can do is contribute energy that you were using to expend. Yeah. Uh, would you change your approach to finances now uh, if you were single? If yes, how? One person said, yeah, absolutely. I'd go back to being super easy with money. Right. He went from being easy on his own to now having to be much more responsible. And he's like, if I was single, yeah, I'd be spending a lot more. Right. Um, would you spend more money than you're currently comfortable spending in an effort to bring, maintain excitement in your relationship? So if you're sitting around and you're like, this sucks. Right. <laughs> there is no excitement here. How do we revive this thing? Right. Well, you know, she's really always wanting to go to Paris. Right. Or a swingers club. Or whatever. Or, swingers clubs are not that expensive. He, he, really, he expensive? really needs he really needs a new Jada Stevens fleshlight that's shaped like her vagina and things. That's not expensive. Hmm? No, we're talking like a, a weekend getaway to Paris. Oh. Like we're talking about something that really like, you know, if you make three hundred thousand in a year, oh. maybe spending twenty thousand on a weekend is a little much. Yeah. But would you do it if that if that meant that your wife would be so happy that, you know She'd go down on you again? Yes. And maybe right. more than once. Yeah. And it's good, you know, some some of the husbands are just like, you know, I would but I'm gonna spend that on my because <laughs> she's more fun and she'll definitely do it this is a gamble like what yeah, if I fly her like, to Paris and she still doesn't do it yeah now you, you, you get the one that you know does the things <laughs> for the fun so another funny one would be so when you're in a non-monogamous relationship do you guys monitor each other's finances and spending well, on things so, outside of the so one of our friends mm-hmm that's actually an a, an issue. I don't think they've actually gone through it because I don't think he's ever had like an actual relationship outside. Right. But when we were talking, he's like, "Yeah, I don't." It remains to be seen. They actually opened the credit card. I think that would be for expenses like that. Oh. And she said that she was not gonna look at it. She was oh. just gonna pay the bill Ooh. and not look at like where money was spent. Wow. See, see? But that hasn't been tested, right. as far as I know. Right. See, these are the fun things, you know. I mean, technically, if you're doing a relationship right, you trust each other's decision making process, right? right. Protocol set up. Right. So, like, you know, whether you're spending money out with your boys or spending money out with a date, right? You know, there's a there's a range. If she's right. out with her girlfriends shopping, right. or she's out with. You know, Mandingo. Khadija or Mandingo or Barbados or or Ibrahim. But uh, <laughs> good thing you don't even have access to our cards. You can't even physically look at what I spend money on. No, that's cool. As long as you come home happy and you do, you toss my salad and you know kids are happy. Like I don't care. You know whatever, you, whatever you do that I don't know that you're doing. I guess you know like I'm still alive. All right, back to the question on hand. Right. Would you spend more money than comfortable right. to bring life into a relationship? And right. is it a money money thing? I mean... Right. It's like one of the reasons why your guys' relationship, in your mind, so, is not cracking is because you guys are so financially strapped you can't do anything right. fun. So, like, you know, you and I have never been so financially secure that it's cool for us to spend money whenever we want to. Right. We don't but, trick a lot of money off. 
but we always have gone on trips yeah like every three months yeah we always go on trips and we find like it's you know when i look when i look at all right we can spend seven hundred dollars on a weekend drive down to la right or i can buy a purse right right it's always been a quality of life event versus product and also yeah and we've always done it and i think that uh it's it's been a huge contributor to us actually staying connected yeah get out through through having mommy and daddy mode yeah and also you know we were just resourceful i mean a a big part of my careers (laughs) have been travel so that's just been a perk is that i'm traveling to cool places doing cool things so you know that covered a big part of half the travel um, and other times, you know, we were on corporate dime, whether it was when I was brand managing for other companies where I had a corporate, you know, we'd go to the nice places with nice hotels and or run corporate dime. So just really resourceful, but it's super important. Yep. Very important. Um, We've always done it, but, you know, and somehow we always were able to afford it. I mean, we don't do anything stupid. Like we don't go on a trip, right. you know, to Paris. We I did look at flights to Europe the other day. Yeah, we don't drink a lot either, so like we don't go out and no. spend three hundred dollars at, at a bar on a weekend. No, night. but you I you know, you have to do it. Like you have to. Yeah. Whenever we talk to couples and they're like, Yeah, it's just not and we're like, Okay, when was the last time you guys were away? Right. Yeah. Without kids. Just away. Yeah. And that's it's a difficult one. Yeah. Yeah. I think that a big part of that is a uh, just devalue the value of going out together and spending is like less. They'd rather spend money on X, Y, and Z than spend money on getting them connected back to each other. So there's a really like low value for that. Yep. So we're huge advocates, obviously, for spend the money yeah. on your guys's yeah. uh, experiences. It's the core of your the core of your existence with when you're with somebody and you have a family is your you two are the nucleus of your core happiness. So why wouldn't you invest in that? That's one of the core fuelers of your vehicle. Yep. And my last question was: If your financial situation sharply worsened. What impact would that have on your relationship? Right. Like what happened if there was bankruptcy or you had to downsize right. move out of your house to an apartment mm-hmm. or get rid of one of your cars or all of your cars. And then perhaps that should be one of the questions to ask yourself before getting into a, you know, committed relationship. Yeah. Like, hey, if this dude, you know, if, if this woman lost her income you know right. what would we do would they still be sexy would they to still me be, right would they still be interesting right would they you know how much of what attracts me to them is their is lifestyle, their lifestyle yeah. is you know they're fine their stature their stature and i mean you know there's so much value that people put on it that probably didn't consciously admit it yeah because it would seem offensive if someone was like no i'm really attracted to you're beautiful I love your job. I love your income. <laughs> They'd be like, wait a minute, you're a gold digger. But in reality, they're like, man, this person's stable. They got a good job. I feel like I'd be I mean, secure. I am related to people that have made decisions based on, hey, I my next relationship, I want to be with someone who makes enough money right. to where I can 
travel and have nice things and not have to worry about it. Right. Yeah. And that was a conscious decision. And boom, that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Now, the rest of the story is not quite as exciting, but right. it's, you know, people, we do make those decisions. So, you know, it's interesting to think of, hey, will I, would I still be with this person if they didn't make what they make now, if we couldn't afford to, you know, this lifestyle, uh, what would happen? Right. It's kind of the same as, you know, if my spouse becomes disabled like how many of us think right. about it like i think about it all the time like what would happen to us if right like you were disabled if someone you know if we couldn't physically do what we do you know luckily like we were just talking about it when we were on our last trip that we have so many points of uh common interest yeah. like and we've developed so many points that by now, I'm pretty sure that we would be just fine. Yeah, we, we have enough. And, you know, we're in a situation where we support each other's decision making and, and supplementing whatever they need. That's not in a relationship outside of it. As long as, the, you know, time, space and energy is still supporting of the core. So, you know, that's the finances stuff. Think about it. Ponder it. Ask yourself these questions and other things to think about and discuss. If you want my questionnaire, please email Yes, she has it. I have it. I'd be happy to expand my my sample size to the original at least 20 to see if there are any common threads. Uh, so email us at the Black Russian podcast at gmail.com. If you want the questionnaire, I will send it to you. Yeah, so we'll take a break right now. Second half, we're going to go into some more questions some more notes and stuff from our mentor esther perel lila's been listening to her podcast so she has some notes and points of discussion and then we'll get into the men's and women's cipher i've actually done two men's ciphers and he was going to do her first one next week so we'll talk about that there's a lot of really cool things that have come from that as well so the black russian podcast this track right here is by risto benji called money
The Black Russian Podcast, episode 21, Finance and Beyond. Our podcast is legal to drink adult podcast beverages. So we're going out right after this. The podcast is going out. We're going to stay in. We're going to go to bed. Yeah, the podcast can go out to drink. All right. With our car and our Amex. Sure, why not? Everybody else does. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to start getting emails and texts like, um, what do I need to do? Here's my full government name and my social. Will you please? Here's my mailing address. Do you contribute happiness to our society? (laughs) It will cost you happiness. Exactly. So uh, that was that on finances. It's always fascinating. It's as deep as sex uh, and as influential on our relationships as sex is. And sometimes they're all intertwined. Other times they're totally, supposedly not, but they are. So all kinds of, and it's, as you know, no one wants to say how much they make. Right. And I think that's ridiculous. I'm actually pro uh, everybody knowing how much the other person, like all your friends make. You can always ask me. I'll tell you how much I make. Right. I mean, it's not, I don't, I think it's just ridiculous. Yeah, there's a lot of identity um, based on people's income. It's like the penis size. So people exactly. don't want to share that, which it's like, it's, you know, you can make... Ten million dollars would be an asshole and lonely, yeah, and not fun to be around. Or you can no. make forty thousand and have all the time in the world and enjoy your life, and you're just a yeah. a joy to be around. So yeah, so, so let's we start still, sharing. Yeah, we still have knee jerks about that. Like if I say I'm not making this much, we're gonna be like, oh man, you're just what are you doing? Well, you don't even know how much you make, so you know. Well, fluctuate so much. I don't even care. <laughs> Luckily, I don't have to care. It's sometimes it's more, sometimes it's less. But um yeah, so you've been in Esther Perel's podcast pretty deep. Yeah, so I'm pretty bummed. Why is it done? Well, no, but she hasn't. I've listened to every single episode, and she hasn't put one out in a while. Well, time to go back and re-listen to them all. There's always secret gems, Easter eggs, and all of them. Yeah, I'm pretty bummed. Mm. So, um, because you know, I started preparing for this a while ago. Uh, I think I listened to two in a row that uh, had to do with lack of sex in the relationship. Mm. They were a little different, uh, but both, you know, that was the topic. And it was the woman that uh, didn't want sex. And of course, the knee jerk is that, oh, you know, hormones go down. It's a medical condition. And, uh, you know, Esther is just such a master of cutting through all of that bullshit. Um, And I thought, you know, I was was taking notes because it was just so profound uh, what she was saying and it applies to so many women in these marriages where uh, there's no sex. And then women, I think, find themselves in situations of being blamed for it. Right. And I think that that is pretty crazy. You know, and a lot of it, unfortunately, you know, because we don't understand how this stuff works. Um, 
you know, we all fall for, uh, for the trap, uh, or in the trap and the men, you know, complain about it. The women start feeling guilty, but neither one, you know, like that doesn't result in more sex and it just results in more resentment and, uh, being upset. So these couples, luckily, you know, the ones that get to Esther gets, they get the, uh, benefit of being uh, placed under her expert knife and it's pretty amazing what she does so you know I can just run through these notes and talk about them and 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 you know my thoughts on them so in one uh so th- I think they all come from these two episodes so the one uh Esther was talking to the woman about you know getting to the bottom of what causes her issues with sex and it all comes to you know all these um uh values that we were raised with you know maybe we were raised with a sex is you know a sin and then you only have uh sex to you know because men want to have it and that's what you do and you're not supposed to enjoy it you know, who knows what kind of garbage we grow up with. And, uh, you know, Esther asked her, you know, basically, can you mount an insurrection on your own brainwash? So a lot of the times it's not even the man that's put that, that's creating the problem, but it's our own noise in our own head. Right. That's uh, not letting us enjoy it, not letting us participate in it. And, you know, we build these all kinds of sophisticated defenses and and walls and you know labyrinths and it takes someone um, as skilled as Esther Perel to look through and be like no like you are fighting against yourself and although you're here telling me that you would like to enjoy sex but you have no idea how I am telling you that you will if you are brave enough to fight your own demons right yeah look in and identify and ask those questions and trace that yeah root work back yeah where did that come from why are you doing it uh and a lot of the times turns out that uh the thing to blame is the marriage right and it's not a marriage your marriage to that particular man but it's the institution of marriage right and the big conflict is uh, that, you know, women want a commitment. But uh, what they don't know or don't want to admit is that same commitment uh, that they pursue, they want so much, is a sexual killer. Sexy killer. <laughs> because in the commitment, sexuality is too locked into a uh, script of what a wife is supposed to do. And that script may or may not come from the man. Right. But we're just born or, well, we're raised in that way. Yeah. And it's usually not pro-woman pleasure. No. It's no. woman as service. Yeah. But it may not even come from the man. Right. A man may be like, I'm all for it. Just tell me what you want. And right. the woman is just so locked in that some sort of a script. Right. That, you know, she came pre-programmed with and... You know, she never thought to start looking into it. Yeah. 
and it's that marriage that ruins it yeah yeah the sexual introspection and the sexual revolution for the woman and the word marriage don't really go hand in hand initially it takes a lot yeah, of and it's because you know through. you go you get married and you're all of a sudden you're supposed to have sex right and as soon as you're supposed to have sex that's when you don't want to have sex right so unless you do it on your own terms you may never want to do it right but doing it on your own terms means that you need to know what you like right how what you like terms? it what are your terms right you know what do you need to get into it Right. Yeah, that's true. Because, I mean, we'll get into the men's cipher. There's a lot of really um, attentive men who are yeah. really interested in, you know, wanting to make it as as sexy and, and pleasurable as possible. But the conversation doesn't even get started a lot of times if the woman is not well, in the space you, to articulate to herself or to him. It, it goes deeper because, you know, we like the uh, marriage is a... Uh, you know, it comes from the patriarchy. Right. And patriarchy is so deep in all of us, in men and in women, that even the most well-meaning men use it to right. their advantage, right. right? And women, even the most, uh, you know, conscious ones and most independent ones feel it. And, you know, even when you're trying to... Uh, suggest as a man if you try and suggest how the woman can fix it right that's not that that's another killer right there right because don't you fucking tell me what to do because that's exactly what i don't want to hear right i don't want to be subjected to what you tell me i should do with my body or how i should fix it don't you fucking tell me it's my medical problem right because usually it's not right you know, I also listened to an episode on impotence, and it's the exact same thing. You know, Esther is like, fuck, I don't even know what that means. I don't know what that word means. You know, a guy cannot, unless there's some crazy medical reason, it's not it. It's something in his head. Right. And, you know, unfortunately, most likely, it's the woman that puts it in his head. So, you know, uh, trying to fix someone's problem. Right is not the way to do it yeah. and you know the usually those things i mean it's so complicated right so the challenge would be from 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 a man's perspective asking a woman if a man is not supposed to be overly involved in helping solve it or making suggestions or trying to diagnose what's the best way a man can you have support to romance you have to like put on the full on just how you romance a woman when you're courting her outside of a marriage. Just, yeah. like, forget your marriage and start start treating her that way. Right. But like, absolutely, you're not married. Right. You have no idea if you'll be successful in pursuing this woman. Right. But what if it's a deeper issue with the woman where she doesn't know what she wants? Like you are saying, is romance going to be... I yeah, totally. I, I think most of the times it will be, but then you also have to make sure the kids are taken care of right. while you're romancing. You can't tell her to make sure the kids are taken <laughs> care of because you now want to romance her. Right. Fuck you. No. <laughs> no, it has to really come from the understanding right. on the man's side that 
hey, I have to totally change how I'm looking at this. Right, like widen the lens. Yeah, so like totally, like like zoom out of and, this whole marriage. Right. And see what happened to this woman that you romanced so, right. you know, Right, because at some point she's probably, yeah. you, you know, yeah. Totally, and then you have to like see all those things. And like I said, you know, you can't ask her to make sure that the house is taken care of and the kids are taken care of right. because now is the time that we, you will be romanced. Right. But you actually like, have to do it to where she starts feeling like, oh, he's interested in me, not in sex within these parameters, but like, oh, I will say I'm interesting to him as a person now. Right. And also the, you know, like what Esther says and what Dan says is like, the assumption that sex is just penetration. Yeah. Like, you can have sex with your partner that has nothing to do with right. penile vagina, penile anus penetration, yeah. but back to the patriarchy, most men will be like, what? Sex without that? That's not sex. You know, and they never, like, you know, Dan Savage would always say those things, like, you know, with gay, you know, the gay males... You know, not everybody likes to be penetrated. And so imagine if your partner, your wife said, you know, I really want to have sex tonight, but I don't want to be I don't want to be penetrated. Mm -hmm. Like, what would the man do? Men, what would you do if your wife was like, I'm really, really feeling you horny tonight. I really want to really get nasty with you, but I don't want to be penetrated. Well, I mean, I think there are plenty of men out there that by now understand that that's just part of the you know, uh, sexual variety. Yeah. So men, if you could chime in, you can go to the black Christian podcast at gmail.com. When's the last time you had sex with your partner where there was no intercourse and it felt whole? I mean, they can't answer now. You can keep talking. Yuli. They can't. <laughs> I'm just now. looking at Tian thinking, uh, what do you say? Uh, I, it's been a long time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, but you know, if you said, "I want to have, I want to have sex, but I don't want to be penetrated," I'd be like, "I." I mean, we do it all the time, at least once a month. Yeah, we can do it, but you know, it's usually it doesn't really go that way. Well, penetrated is oral, still penetrated. No. Oh, you just lower penetrated. Yeah. Should we say lower penetrated? Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, I know. But we could. You know, it could be a mutual but would you masturbation. Feel differently? No, because I, you know, I'm handy. So once you come, it's, it doesn't matter what method was used. No. Yeah, it does. I have preferences, but I right. still enjoy myself right. very much. So yeah, you know. Yes, yeah, so I think there are plenty of men that would be totally. I mean, now if that was the only method forever and ever, that would probably get old. Well, but. yeah, people would want. You know, if you if you only got to eat. You know, broccoli all the yeah. time. You might want some spinach some other time. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> bah, bah, bah. All right. But, you know, so, okay, so real quick before uh, we go past this next one. <laughs> um, so we're talking about how deep the patriarchy is, right? And that we, we have a friend. Yeah, fuck patriarchy. Right. Exactly, in the booty. Uh, we have a friend who was saying, you know, she ha- even in her, as, as as fiery as she is, she's still very much attracted to the macho, elusive, non-committal man. And the ones who are secure 
open hearted and communicative and sensitive she's not as attracted to well it's the same as institutional marriage right the one the stuff that is there for your taking is not attractive right you know like women are much more complicated than men yeah men just see what they can fuck and they go for it women are like it starts from the top and you know it's in your head and you have to be attracted and things that you don't have to fight for right but sometimes the chauvinism and male privilege yeah. is attractive yeah that's how deep it is i mean it's uh It's all like it's all in a balance, right? Like it's all you gotta balance it all out. Right. It's like you want. Sometimes some women want a man to respect them yeah, but then and you, listen to their needs and care about them. But then, the, but then their fantasy is a guy who. Well, so I think. Right. I think that it, this, it. this topic is like way way deeper. You know. No, it's not. We can do this in two minutes for sure. It's easy. Yeah. You got a question as to, you know, like there's different levels of feminism and the fight, right? right. Some are super feisty. Why are they so fucking feisty? Right. You know, uh, would they call me out for letting you do things that I let you do as being a, you know, bad feminist? Yeah, for sure. Right. You know, but do I feel uh, secure in who I am as pretty independent woman yeah usually i do so i think i'm more secure in that than a lot of the feisty feminists including right. our friend that has this issue right so you know those are a lot a lot of it is our own personal issues right you know like that's not a a you know it's not the bad boy no good guy thing no nice guy bad boy no bad boy no. No? No. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. But, you know, I think that it's, you know, it all goes back to it is more difficult to maintain excitement, sexual excitement in the marriage. And you have to be very conscious of it on both sides and work to maintain it, whatever it takes. Yeah. And both sides have to be conscious about it. Yeah. Variety, attentiveness changing of understanding process. what is it that you like what you don't like why exploration and then you know and then there are times when uh, you know i don't feel like having sex i'm so stressed with my outside stuff uh that i don't want to have sex my head hurts i don't want to have sex i mean that never applies to me but in right. general you know well, i just yeah. had a conversation with a friend and she's like you know i've been stressed out and I don't feel like having sex but he really feels like he wants to so what do I do I'm like you know this is part of a long term relationship right and if you uh, unless you know it has something to do with how he treated you during sex and you really are traumatized you know if you're like you don't always have to be the super sexual goddess to have sex you can be yeah. you know a willing participant uh you can initiate or you can let him initiate it all depends it's ebb and flow but you know what you i think 
and that's what I told her. I'm like, what I wouldn't do is I wouldn't allow the outside stress that has nothing to do with your personal relationship with him to uh, curb how much sex you have right. and punish it and, and punish right. it and then you because then you start detaching right and then when you start detaching then you start falling into the common uh, marriage trap where you start using any excuse uh, you know oh I had a bad day at work right. oh I'm so tired or I'm this or I'm that and then you stop you stop your sexual connection with your partner and that's a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, especially a lot of relationships, they don't really communicate um, kinetically other yep. than sex. Yeah. You know, so sex is that way when the mind quiets yep. and they sync up and do these things. And it's, you know, in a long-term relationship, there's going to be times where one is more into it than the other and vice versa. But it's it's part of the teamwork. You know, sometimes... If you're committed to working out and you're, you have a t- workout buddy and your teammate, your you know teammate workout buddy, um, is like I don't want to work out today, but you guys have committed to work out three days a week and it's the day you have to encourage them and they have to get into it, knowing a lot of times they'll feel better after it anyways. Right, and you know I think that just the fact that this question comes up mm-hmm. is a big deal because it it's assumed that we should only you know, A, that we are always, uh, we need to always rely on how we feel about those things. Right. That we can't push it. That, you know, sex is just so uh, special that unless you're really feeling it, you shouldn't do it. Right. And I I don't think that's true in a long-term relationship. Well, it's It's like a nutrient. I mean, you fight your own battles, you choose your battles. I'm not saying... You should give somebody something that you don't want to give them. But in a relationship where you guys are both trying to contribute to the longevity, it's nourishment for your relationship. It's similar to you don't only eat when you're starving and you're, you know, sometimes you need to eat regardless. And sometimes you're so hungry that you don't want to eat. And that's really, really, really when you should eat. Um, You know, there's plenty of times when you're working out in your regimen where you don't want to do something. You don't want to do the rep. So you don't want to do these things. Or like even like the feeling, the feeling guilty that you don't feel this, you know, the sexual desire that you're used to feeling. Well, A, you know, the new relationship energy wears out. Right. The level of this constant desire goes down. It's just like driving a new car. Right. You are excited to get into it for a month straight, but after a month, it's like, yeah, that's my car. I love it. Right. But, But you know, it's my car. And like you can get in if you fall into that whole trap, that's the marriage trap, I think. Right. Like you, oh yeah, that's just my husband. Right. I he's always gonna be here. I'll have sex with him tomorrow, and then tomorrow comes, and it's like, oh, I'm really tired. Right. Because like, you're not you're not excited, not looking forward to it. All right. So just like assuming that you have to wait until you're super excited, I think uh, that's that's the total trap. Yeah. I would counsel, although I'm not a counsel, but I will actively counsel against that. Right. I will lobby, advocate. Yeah, I can we schedule things and yeah. you know, Tion's like actually a common thing is like if you started Right. Like, <laughs> we can get there. I'll, we'll get there, I but you gotta start. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, Hey, I'm really into it but I'm not doing anything. How about you do it all? Right. 
Yes, Mount Rushmore. Climb, <laughs> climb the little mountain. But you gotta like you know. I mean, those things are normal, and you gotta actually talk about it. Yeah, like everything else. And not be you know like if if I said hey I'm into it, but can you please do it all tonight? And Tim was like what like you know upset what about it. I, that right. would be the last time it's a that I ever. Yeah. Yeah. Be objective. Find ways to have fun with it. Be inquisitive. Um, and yeah, let's not be so rigid. Sometimes it's good to um, go out to the opera because your wife really wants to go, even though you don't want to go. And the metaphor for opera could be yeah, toss or salad, sucker yeah, toes, no, massage your booty hole. Oh, okay. just, just get yourself aroused. Damn it. <laughs> right. And now, if relationships you're having a hard time doing that, question, are you allowed to watch porn in the bed to get yourself in the mood or masturbate or masturbate ponder that cool. that's when we need the call-in show i know hi my name is joe <laughs> i'm not allowed to watch porn in the bed can you talk to my wife now mm-hmm. he shouldn't be watching no kind of porn <laughs> unless it's gay porn because i don't know another woman attempting my man <laughs> my mammy my mammy is that all you got for your... That's pretty much all okay. I got. Cool. So we'll go into the men cipher. So from this podcast, from very early, um, a lot of my friends who are men were writing in and are like talking to me about it like, man, and they just really didn't have any other place to really talk about this type of stuff. And them and, you know, with their bros, they didn't really go into this without posturing and macho and... You know, and so for a long time, I was like, you know, it'd be cool to have a men's group, like really to talk about these things and break down chauvinism and male patriarchy and really just be able to have conversations without the armor on or we could be um, listened to and heard in a non-judgmental, objective way with your brethren. And so, you know, two, three weeks ago, we finally decided to do it and uh, we set it up. I used the X-Men Avengers type vibe for the flyer because I wanted to be like all these superheroes from all over coming together for a common cause. And it's called the men's cypher. And a cypher is where, like if you're from hip hop, you know, an MC cypher would be where rappers get together in a circle and they're building together to create a higher vibration and not battling. So we call it a cypher. Um, And it was really cool. You know, we had a lot of, a nice solid group and um, it was warm. We actually held hands to start it off like all of us held hands and sit quietly for a while a little bit longer than it was probably comfortable for some because they realized with men we really don't have a lot of space for non-sexual affection and kinetic touch and it's one of the fastest ways to release your armor um, and we did that and everybody did it and it felt really good it felt like it was needed for all of us um, and then we were able to discuss and go into things and it was very fascinating. Um, there was a lot of commonality about the things they loved about their marriages and relationships and things that they didn't. And it was good for all of them to sit around and look in each other's eyes and see there's a lot more in common. They're not alone um, with their issues and concerns. But at the same time, there was not a lot of um, information about those concerns. Like, why is there more intimacy in the marriage or why does it wane? Which was a big one. Um, one of the fun questions I asked was, if you had your the support of your spouse and complete freedom to do whatever you wanted to do 
in or outside of the relationship, would you do something different? And the initial reaction was everyone was quiet. Like no one wanted to say anything. Like they were like, mm. and until I said, but it's not a trap. She really <laughs> wants you to. And they were like all kind of sighed and laughed. Like, oh, <laughs> and then they started to think about it. Like That's never going to happen. They couldn't even allow themselves to think about it. Like there's a need, people even the thought of thinking about it. Some of their wife flashed their head like, you better not think about that. You ain't never going to. And it was a trip because it was like, even in this space where it's totally objective, non-judgment, it was hard for us men to really ponder that level of freedom. Um, and then once we got past that, they were like, yeah, you know, yeah, I would. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then I was like, cool. I'm like, if you had that freedom, could you handle the freedom and still manage your part of the relationship, make sure that your relationship and responsibilities are taken care of? And they were like, yeah, yeah, of course. Cause, you know, they're free now. They're kind of vibing off of that. And then I said, cool. And then I said, now, would you be willing to give your partner, your wife, that same level of freedom? And everyone was like, ooh. What? Like, no one wanted to say no, but the emotional feeling was like, ooh. You know, and it was, and I was like, this right here, feel that feeling in your gut right there? Like, that's a part of the chauvinism and patriarchy that we need to really understand. Um, we really went into that, and that was really cool. Um, we also talked about monogamy versus non-monogamy um, in the situation that most of us are pretty much only monogamous when it comes to genitals. Like most men don't trip if their their woman has, you know, friends if it's non-sexual. They could be mentors, they could be trainers, guidance, teachers, friends. If it's non-sexual, they don't even feel threatened by it. They could all be on emotional attachments and spiritual Do you? attachments. Do I what? feel threatened by me having male friends that I'm not sexual with. No, I, I'm less threatened by it. It's just but, I mean, you are, but less, so. Yeah, I mean, it would take, I mean, if it started to affect the time, space, energy, then it would. But, you know, other than that, it's just, it's just, it's like, it's the same way a, a man is like, no, I wouldn't mind if my wife messed with other women, because it's just not part of a triggering space for men. It could be equally, if not more threatening, but it's just not, but, um, you know, so we're because very Because it's not that. comparing dicks. Because it's not a penis. There's a penis thing. Right, so you, you're, not, you're not comparing dicks. Right. Yeah, so, I mean, but it's, you know, it's such a thing with, with us men. I mean, with women as well. I mean, we're very genitalia-specific, even though we know that sex is not the most sacred thing ever. It can be used as a most divine tool. It can be used to abuse. It can be used to create. It can be used to destroy. Um... So a lot of us naturally claim monogamy without thinking about it, but we're really not monogamous in any other space but our genitalia and maybe who we have a family with. But like we're not when it comes to <laughs> you're looking at cream filled penis waffles on the Huffington Post right now and it's distracting me. <laughs> <laughs> you want to really see what I don't like. want a cream filled penis puff. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so stupid. Um, but yeah, it's just such a thing that we're so hung up on it. We know that it's not the most divine thing. It's a connection, but we still are hung up on it. We still feel really weird about it. And I wanted them to feel that amongst other men together. Know that they're not alone, but at the same time know that it's not really acceptable. And um, try to get to the point where 
whatever we choose, monogamy or non, or some form of both, or some mix and mingle, um, just understand the premise that let's deconstruct all of these, monogamy, polyamory, all these things, and understand how they work, the good and the bad, the, the, the trials and tribulations of them all. So when we put them back together, we put them back together in our own design, consciously, and not out of a fearful rejection, reaction-based space. Um, and it's funny, because this is stuff we've been talking about all the damn time. And I've talked to a lot of these people directly about it, but it was totally different talking to them all yeah. together, looking at each other, um, feeling... Well, that's my, that's my, you know, like you asked me, why do I hesitate to have a women's cipher? And I'm like, well, because I talk to them about it all the time separately. Right. And I don't know if there's anything to be gained by, you know, doing a joint sit down session. But obviously there is. There definitely is. There's a level of synergy. There's a level of community um, that we just don't get. You know, it's like we can talk one on one because it still feels secret. When you talk amongst more than one, then it becomes some form of community. Um, and what, we did it two times. One time it was a bigger group. One time it was only a couple of us. And both times were extremely rich and very different because when there was less people, we could go deeper with one or two people. So it's been really good. I'm going to continue to do the men's cipher. Um, it would be dope if it grew and grew to where we had bigger ones where we had yeah. a couple people facilitating them and stuff like that. And Eula's going to do her first women's cipher. Next week, on the same day, in the same space, but different rooms, as well, our men's cipher. I told Tian, if no one shows up to mine, I'm crashing his. <laughs> She'll be knocking on the door, and we'll be like, I don't know. Let's take a vote. Do we let the woman in? Yep. May not, I don't know. May not be ready. Mm. You have to wait till like the last 15 minutes, mm. and we'll give you the nod. You can, you can be out reading the book. I'll but... go buy myself a penis-shaped waffle. <laughs> But I, I, you know, I I know there's value for the women's cipher. Um, I have faith in the women that have been a part of your crew and part of your gratefuls that will come out. Um, but it's definitely different. It's a different energy. It feels different. So far, all of my my uh, grateful cipher women are yeah. otherwise occupied. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see, like, who the comes. The value is just not there. Who does, who come. And maybe it's a layer of armor they're not running in the shed publicly amongst no. other women. Um, but it's fascinating. And I think we'll just keep, we'll keep offering it and we'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, so it'll be cool. It'll be great. It'll be fun. Episode 22 will be the next one. I don't know what it's going to be I have a topic. About. Oh. Do you want me to discuss it? Sure. You can give a little teaser, including myself, because I have no idea what she's about to talk right. about. So there's this... Uh, fiction piece in the New Yorker you know I, I subscribe to the New Yorker I sometimes read them sometimes not because who can keep up with them they come out once a week and they're always really good but you know time um, this uh, last the one before last has uh, a fiction uh, short story and it's called a cat lover and I st- or a cat woman something like that uh, I actually started reading it. Then a friend of mine's like, hey, have you read this? This is going around. Can you read this and can we talk about it? And I read it. And it is about a situation that I think every single woman has been in. And I think most men don't understand. Uh, and we all have different uh, reflections and feelings about it. And it's when... Uh, 
we go too far in our sexual interaction with a man and we allow it to go too far mm-hmm. and we catch ourselves and oh i actually didn't mean to go that far but now we're that far so i might as well go through it but it feels bad and you can't moonwalk it out of it and you go through with it and then you feel all kinds of ways and then how do you end it it's just a whole but i have shared it with plenty of women and it's universal that every single one of us has done it and then but then the reactions are very different and i think that our reactions to what has caused it or how we feel about it are based on why we allowed ourselves to get, get into that situation and it's very interesting and i'm also asking a bunch of guys to read and um is it really long like you know people are scared of really long articles and things no it's it's a piece of fiction i'm not asking people that don't like reading fiction i'm only asking my writer friends and people that i actually know will read right you know like those people exist right yeah the ones that don't i show will up, have you read? i will let you uh read it as well it's maybe eight pages or ten pages long you can what? read that is it in a book it's a short story it's online i'm just kidding uh but i think you know it's part of the conversation that is going on about the whole you know sexual assaults and sexual misconduct and i for one don't think it's so black and white it's definitely not uh one-sided and it's just a very interesting uh, interesting conversation that i think we can uh partake yeah in. and i think since we're gonna go into that we'll go into um the nuance of the situations of you know people who are accused of sexual misconduct people who have cheated people who have abused and all these things um and how we see the whole person because a lot of times especially like you know like for now we're all being tested with these celebrities that we've grew up watching or laughed at their movies or read their books and all this stuff for 10 15 years they may have dramatically helped our lives even be considered a mentor and then the dirty underbelly of their other parts of their personality comes out and they be, they're, you know, they're charged with rape or they're charged with something very nefarious and stuff. And all of a sudden we have to deal with, like, how do we deal with that person? Do we, do we just completely write them off for what they've been in our lives? Um, and a lot of us are having this crisis of, like, can we still appreciate their art or appreciate their positive contributions if they've made negative con- contributions? You know, and, you know, everybody has a different threshold with that. You know, people will love certain rappers no matter what, even though they were misogynistic and done some things. um, But then other ones will turn on an actor or an actress and be like, nope. You know, um, like, you know, people love James Brown no matter what he did, even though he was was an out-and-spoken womanizer and abuser at times. But he's just James Brown. But so it's like we have these different things um, and we're dealing with it like in such rapid fire and repetition right now because, you know, the, nobody's safe. You'll be like, oh, I love that guy. He's my favorite comedian. Oh, and then he comes out as he's been a yeah, one. Yeah, but, like, you, you know. know, I mean, I don't want to get into it too far now because that 
will take five days to discuss, but what do you mean nobody is safe? We all have participated in a situation that was not 100% kosher. No, I mean, nobody's safe, meaning like we're so caught up in this purity, this perception of purity yeah. that none of our favorite actors, authors, political people, musicians are safe from the reality that they've probably done some dirt. Oh, because oh, we're all human. We right. all have done so it. So that's what I'm talking about is like now we're being faced with having to deal with the nuance. Can we deal with the nuance? Can we understand that the same person that innovated and did so much for the community and so much for soul music like a James Brown can also be a womanizer and abuser as well and an asshole as well? Can we accept all of that or do we have to choose one or the other? You know, so we'll get into all that stuff later. This is the Black Russian podcast. The last track is Buju Bantan featuring Wayne Wonder called Movie Star. Thanks for listening. Tune in. If you're on iTunes, like our shit. We'll eventually get advertising and make money. Maybe. But and then you can get our credit cards. Or you just come by the house. Yeah. For credit cards and then use our credit cards to buy a shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Good times. Good fun. Have a good night. Tian Buku one signing off. <laughs> and Yola, have a good night. Blah. You know that the rich come on is no objective. But from its good loving, we have it. Oh, yes. 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 O
Shut up. 